Welcome to the WDW News Today podcast, episode 17. Is that right? I think so. Wow. My name is Eric Morton. With me, as always, is Tom Corliss. Yeah. Uh, and this is, by the way, this is Adam the Woo's favorite podcast. <laughs> He, I think that's what he. What did he say? I don't remember exactly. What I he think said he to said he today. liked it. I, he plugged us on a vlog, so I feel like I got to plug Adam back. Adam makes the best vlogs, and they're not just Disney things. He makes I don't know all his stuff really resonates with me. It's stuff from like my age group. He's like a um, traveler, right? He's like the yeah, Jack Kerouac of YouTube. But he makes real YouTube. fun pop culture yeah. stuff, though. I just, yeah. I always see it, and I'm like, I gotta watch this because he just, it, it uh, not a thing I would imagine in a million years. Um, and he ends up, and they're always interesting. So plug, plug for Adam, who's the best. Nice guy. I've watched some stuff. Like yeah. I said, I don't watch a ton of like, yeah, same. That type of content. I don't watch um, anyone else. But I that. think I've I've seen several of his videos and and they're yeah. very enjoyable. And he's a yeah. he's a great guy. So I know we have um, at times said things about other bloggers and vloggers that were either misinterpreted or we didn't do a good job of clarifying. <laughs> I know Adam, who was one of the good guys, though. So it was yeah. good to see him today. Yeah. I owed him a plug for for the plug if if you. Don't know this. We do record this ahead of time, and the wigs are joining us right now. Yeah, this uh, this will be released Tuesday at ten a.m. But mm. the wigs are there, and it is uh, eight thirty, eight thirty-five on a Friday night. We've been at Festival They're of dedicated. the Arts all day long, so we are on like hour I don't know fourteen or something of being up and uh, running around doing this stuff, and we are appreciative that you are here. Uh, quick disclaimer. There was an accident today at Festival of the Arts that I think we need to mention. Um, you need to be careful when you're sitting in uh, underneath the trees oh in the American God. Adventure Pavilion out front. Uh, please be careful because there are birds in those trees, and though those birds, they are a-pooping. And unfortunately, our own Tom Corliss was a victim today. Lucky for him, he was wearing one of these shirts by Park Candy, and it, it cleaned right off, right? The bird, you know, um, what's funny is I talked to people at Park Candy Day and jokingly said, like, oh, we're going to leave that out of the marketing, but we're going to call it here at WWNT the, the bird poop resistant, poop resistant design. Yeah. Yeah. It of came these park right candy off. Shirts. And I'm telling you, that was a, that was a, that bird had a lot. I don't know what that bird, an umbrella. that bird clearly went to Beer Garden. Yeah. That, <laughs> that bird had a lot of festival food in it. It was already. a lot. And it says a lot for how happy I am with my life now. I jokingly said, I think to you guys, it's like, you guys, if this was a couple months ago, I would have been screaming at everyone after this. Instead, I came out of the bathroom like laughing and smiling. I think what I said was, um, this is the first time you've uh, been literally crapped on this week. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. But um, figuratively, a lot, maybe. It's but good luck. Yeah, is it? It's, it's Did considered Nana say, good luck. like, oh, that's good luck? No, it's no. actually, it's a thing. It's a well established thing that it's good luck if a bird poops on you. Um, and I feel like with what's been going on with my personal and professional life recently, uh, I'm feeling it. Yeah, good. I get it. Yeah. yeah bring it on, birds. Yeah. Like that's – I think on the day we went back on the Disney World media list officially to get pooped on by a bird, which is meant to be good luck, I took that as a sign. Yeah. And uh, those shirts from Park Candy, we do need to plug <laughs> to them. to the plug. Because I'm just wearing a basic shirt. If I got pooped on, it, yeah. my day's over, right? Yeah, but, well, that uh, might blend into that weird yeah, logo that on weird, the front. Yeah, that weird, yeah. But uh, Park Candy, if you, you go to yeah. link slash Park Candy, or you can just go to parkcandy.com and look at all their cool stuff. But if yeah. you use the code WDWNT at checkout, you get 15% off. 
So they have skirts and they have shirts and if they have Jake bags and they this. have all kinds of merchandise. Check it out. Cool little tags there. Yeah, you're not going to be able to zoom in too much on that tag. I can't uh, Tom's find an shirt opening. is kind of inspired by inspired uh, by Figment. There's a little hidden. Oh, he's upside down. I'm, yeah, I'm, he's inspired yeah. by not maybe Where? some kind of purple dragon. Inspired that. Inspired by Figment. You could say inspired by. It's fine. Um, and Epcot. And I yeah. wore this to Foda, and it's a great. Sh- I love. They're super comfortable. I like their, for this Florida weather. They're amazing. And yeah. today was all over the place, right? It was cold in the morning, and it was hot later. And I was comfortable in the shirt all day. I wore so. a hoodie all day, and you'll see on the video. I was pretty, like it was pretty warm by the end of the yeah. day. I was like, oh man, why did I wear a hoodie? When it was raining, I felt pretty yeah. smart. But you know, I just got back from Kansas, and it was freezing cold. And I, I bought a hoodie. I feel I have. I'm wearing long pants, which I never do. You never yeah. know what's going to happen. Someone said embrace Tom, embrace being the villain, said uh, Archer09. Um, I used to in my younger years, but eventually it really weighs on you after a while. And I so kind of like he, it, though. I kind of like when you embrace it. Yeah, I I like that that Tom, too, sometimes. But I'm at the point where, like, I've lived that to the fullest extent. Like, I have been the rebel with a cause, like, to the highest height you could be. And eventually I'm just like... I don't care if people like me or hate me at this point, but um, I think that this episode, though, a lot of people have asked for this to get to know us a little bit. Oh, that's know what, a little we bit changed about the who topic. You are. I didn't right. know we changed the yeah, topic. Yeah, we changed the topic. So we're going to get to know a little bit about who Tom is, who Eric oh my is. God. And we're going to go all the way back to the beginning and try to figure out how this all happened. How do we end up here? Because people how ask me, How did I ruin so many people's lives? People ask me all the time, how did you end up doing this? And I'm like, you know, I really don't know. You. I, do we have enough time for you? Because let me tell you something about Eric Morton. So when we're in the park and we are doing stuff, people spot us and they come up and they're, I love you guys. I love the show, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And inevitably we'll ask, oh, where are you from? And they will say where they're from. And no matter where they're from, at some point, somehow, Eric Morton lived near them. And <laughs> I don't know been how. been there for work. Or, no, yeah. I don't know how. You have a story and, like, local haunts and everything for every place people have ever brought up to us. <laughs> so I don't even know where to begin with you. I don't know. Um, it, it goes back a very long time. So um, just like you, I have a long story. Yeah. And we'll dig into it today. Okay. Uh, do you want to talk about any candy or snacks or anything first? Because people are here for that, you know. There's a no, couple I think people that hate that we don't get into it. The entire it, episode is nonsense. We're going to get so much hate from people. They're going to be like, I thought this was about Disney, this podcast. You, know, you guys are just talking about yourself, stroking your own ego. I don't know that it will necessarily reflect well on us yeah. to dig into our past. Probably this not. This is something our audience asked for. We have, we've been asked yeah. a few times. Uh, a number of time actually, times, actually. Yeah. Uh, you know, where did you guys, uh, you know, tell us about your background? Uh, where did WWNT come from? You know, the yeah. genesis of that. How are all these yeah. people connected? You know, and and it's it's a uh, we could this could go real long, or we could just be kind of brief about it. Yeah. Um, but let's start with you, Tom, because we have uh, you know we know you're from New York. Everybody knows that. Yes, everyone knows. And. Um, the Bronx mm-hmm. is that you were born in you were born in the Bronx, yeah. And then did you live in the same house your whole life? My parents are still in that house, yeah. And no siblings, no siblings, only, only, spo- only spoiled only child. 
got everything you wanted for Christmas? Yeah, but you know what? What's funny about that is then you know I I worked real hard and started my own company and like, um, so I think I I I I don't know why, but I like always wanted to like I wanted to keep busy and do stuff. I know there's so many people who are only child and and, and they kind of take stuff for granted. I think, and I think that's yeah. that's a. I'm not saying all everyone ever, but I'm, I think the generalization people make about only children is, oh, you're spoiled, you get everything, and then you oh, you, you pay for that later in life because you expect things to be handed to you. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know why, but for some reason I never expected that and I wanted more from life and, and yeah. you are, It's worth pointing out, you are quite a bit younger than me. People don't know this. How many years? I think about 15 years younger than me. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so um, you know you People grew up in a slightly up, like different era. Someone came up today and they're like, oh, I like the old stuff like you. My first trip to Disney World was December of 1971." And I think because the way I talk about old Disney World, people assume I'm I'm much older, and also I look like this. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. I also was not born in '71. Um, yeah, um, so people bring that up, and I'm like, I didn't I didn't go until I was I was a very small baby in. Uh, December of 1988 was my first trip. Um, and even then, I mean, I was very young. I What's funny about, I think I was born at the last moment you could be born and have experienced almost everything in the history of Disney World. I think if you are slightly younger than me, you start to miss things. Because things at Disney World really start to close when I'm like four or five years old. Right. That's when we start to lose things. So I'm lucky in that I got to see, like, I have a vague memory of, of Mission to Mars. Right. I have a vague memory of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Um, several of those things, like, I got to catch the tail end of them. If you are slightly younger than me, you might have missed a whole generation of stuff. So your um, first visit was in 88, though, mm-hmm. to Disney World. Yeah. You actually... I didn't visit Disney World until 89, oh, despite wow. the head start in life I had on you. When in 89? Uh, it would have been spring break, so okay. uh, probably March. All right. So so we're celebrating 35 years of you in Disney World. Yeah. yeah. Now, I went to Disneyland uh, multiple times before then yeah. as, as a very young kid and then a pretty young kid. Um, but no, Disney World was 89. In fact, so I don't want to get too deep into it, but when I was in... I think about fifth grade, my, my parents got divorced, mm. right? Um, and it was a situation where my brother or sister, I have an older brother and a younger sister. And we live with my mom, mm. and we would see dad on weekends. And um, Andy and Hillary were musicians, and they were into all those type of things. I was, uh, I fancied myself a jock. I, yeah. wanted, I was playing soccer. I was playing golf. I was playing baseball. I was playing I was doing whatever I could, right? Um, and my dad... Did that. My, my dad followed sports like I did. My dad, you know, understood that's who I was and what I wanted to do. So yeah. at, at this point in uh, ninth grade, my dad says, I'm, I'm, uh, I've accepted a job to move to Florida. Mm. And when he told me that, I said to my mom, I said, look, we have, you know, like many families that go through divorce and things like that, we'd moved into kind of like a smaller house than yeah. I had uh, grew, grew up, grown up in. And um, here's my brother going into college. And I'm 
finishing ninth grade, which in Lawrence, Kansas, where I grew up, was junior high at the time. It wasn't even, you know, 10th grade is when you start high school. And because uh, they only had one high school in this town of, you know, 100 So this high school just, was it three years then? High, high school, school, yeah. It was t- oh, okay. I think technically if you were like a really remarkable athlete or something, you could play on the high school you know, basketball okay. team or something like that. Like you were considered a, you're a high grade, schooler, yeah. but for you were physically located in junior high, mm-hmm. right? Seventh, eighth, and ninth grade was okay. uh, that. So here I am in ninth grade thinking, uh, you know, I'm going to miss my dad. I Nothing against mom, but here we're, we're in a smaller house. My brother's going to be a freshman in college. Yeah, I'm going to be starting high school. We're going to be sharing a room, mm. you know, and... It wasn't just the logistical things. It was things with my dad. And I said, you know, hey, by the way, I was kind of a juvenile delinquent, too. I, w- I got it. During that time period, I was getting into a lot of trouble yeah. uh, leading up, probably more like seventh and eighth grade. I got into a lot of trouble. Um, and I said, I would like to explore the idea of moving to Florida when, with dad, right? Yeah. So dad's already in Florida at this point. So my sister and I come down for spring break, and it's my trial run to see if I like it. So dad's got to, like... Pull out all the stops. So we go to Disney World, right? And he's he lived in Tampa at the time. So, you know, what, hour and a half away or something like that. Yeah. And, but, I mean, it was an indelible, you know, moment going to Disney World for the first time. I remember so much. We just went to the Magic Kingdom. Uh, I remember so much about that visit. Um, more than I remember about Disneyland. Now, Disneyland is weird because I went there for the first time when I was two. Hmm. And, again, when I was probably like eight or nine. Okay. And I have indelible memories of walking from Pirates of the Caribbean to the Haunted Mansion. I have memories of, of being loading into uh, Big Thunder Mountain and hearing a guy screaming, there's wild dogs in there, and thinking like, wow, what kind of ride is this? I remember all these things. I remember them, I, I remember them actually dropping the rope on Main Street at Disneyland yeah. and saying, like, do not run, do not run, and all of us sprinting to go to Space Mountain. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I remember all those things, but... But yeah, you did beat me to Disney World. You were there. Now you probably don't remember as much as I do from your first visit to Disney World. I don't remember a damn thing from the first several. Yeah, <laughs> my first—I've told this story before. Uh, my first actual memory, bar none, is—and it's funny because it applies to what I ended up doing for a living. My first memory of anything at Disney is my father holding me over the Splash Mountain construction walls. And I remember vividly the point it was at was like structural steel. Like, you know, when it's the layers, the levels, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's boxes on boxes, essentially. I vividly remember Splash Mountain looking like that as I was held over the construction walls. Wow. You do, uh, it's worth saying, and you you said this before, but you have something of a photographic memory. Yeah. And uh, I'm not surprised that you remember that. It kicks in around there, yeah. Yeah. Um, how photographic are we talking? Good student in school? If I applied myself more, probably. So I went to a um, private Catholic uh, grammar school, um, which all of the people on on my mother's side, the Pinto side of the family, uh, went to it was called St. Clair's. Mm-hmm. It's in the Bronx, and it used to be. I don't know if it still is, but it used to have a reputation that it was a very um, uh, strict school. Yeah, obviously being. Did you wear a uniform? Catholic. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like green, a tie, green blazer, tie. Did you wear the little yeah. hat? No, no hat. <laughs> 
But also, like, almost everyone on the Pinto side went to that school when they were kids in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. And then I went in the 90s. Um, it was still... And by the time I went in the 90s, a lot of the, the teachers were still there, the, specifically the nuns um, were still there. Did they whack your there. knuckles with rulers? By, like they I couldn't did. do that by the 90s. My, my mother and, and her family absolutely had that done to them. They were hit with the ruler and all that stuff when they went there, um, you know, many decades earlier. So I, my aunt went to um, – I don't remember exactly how this story plays out, mm. but – I have memories of being told my aunt had nuns that would crack her on the knuckles when she wrote with her left hand. Because back in those days, you would have to write. They made everybody write with their right hand, yeah. right? And The left hand is the so devil. She, yeah. <laughs> so she would then write with her right hand, but write mirror images of all the letters. So I went through that because I am... I'm not ambidextrous. I just mm. do a lot of things with my left hand, a lot of things with my right hand, and there's no reason to rhyme to which okay. one. But I write with my left hand. Mm. And I remember at one point when someone was trying to make me make a choice, so I wrote my letters with my left hand and my numbers with my right hand. But I didn't have any nuns, so I don't know where that came from. But with the nuns, I heard they're, you know. They, they were still very strict when I when I uh, went to school there, but obviously no uh, no physical punishment was doled out. Um is but, it like uh, no physical punishment was doled out or like wink, wink, there was no physical punishment? No, actually none um, because it was very – you couldn't. It, it was the 90s. It was, that was already – that was long. I think in the early 80s they started – But it, so in the 90s I was in the Marine Corps yeah. and I went to boot camp at Paris Island, which yeah. is kind of a mythological place, right? Mm. Um, and absolutely you're told the drill instructor cannot touch you. They cannot hit you. They can't do – Yeah. B.S. That yeah, was a wink, wink thing. That's the Marine Corps. It's not grammar Marine, school. You're comparing the Marine Corps to, I mean, in the 50s, they might have both been similar. But yeah. <laughs> later, no, I mean, the Marine Corps, I'm sure they could still hit you, but uh, but not uh, not at the Catholic school at that point in the 90s. So grammar school, that's like, what, through 6th or 7th grade or something? Uh, through 8th. Through 8th grade. 8th grade. And mm -hmm. it, it was, it was uh, boys and girls. Okay. And in high school, is that private too? All boys Catholic high school, Salesian High School in New Rochelle, New York. What's with the are the public schools really bad in the Bronx? Is that or your family was just conditioned to I mean, go to private? Great, Catholic my school. father's side, they all went to public school. Um, but I think like the dream of my parents was that their child would have a better life, right? So my parents lived poor as dirt, right? So. Um, like my mother tells story, all sorts of crazy stories about how little they had, um, and my father has similar ones. But what's interesting is that they tease my father for weird stories like they got enrolled in some program where you went to live with like other families in the summer. They were families that like were thinking about having kids. Essentially, it was a way for them to like rent a oh, kid God. for the summer. Really? And so my father ended up with, like, this rich family, and they, like, bought him anything he wanted and whatever all summer. And meanwhile, the other kids in the, in the Corliss family, like, they ended up working on, like, a farm with horses. Like, I was going to say, got I, picture the best like, deal. I picture, like, uh, Long Duck Dong in um, 16 Candles yeah. when he, like, lives with the host family, and he's, yeah. all he talks about is, like, oh, I pushed yeah. the lawnmower when yeah. Grandpa's hernia is acting yeah. up and all that. You know, they, yeah. you have a kid to do all the chores. But funny enough, they both, um, both families had five kids, mm -hmm. um, and... Uh, 
uh, both families lost uh, their father very young, or my mother and father both lost their fathers very young. Um, my my grandfather on my father's side was shot and killed in a bar over protection money that he owed. No, they or came, that he was collecting. They came to get the money from a guy sitting at the bar, and he threw them out. And they came back and shot up the place and killed the guy and him. Wait, no, who is this? In your this is your father's my, father. My father's father was a bartender in the Bronx. Were you alive when this happened? No, my father was five years oh, old. Oh, your father was. Five, oh wow. Yeah, no, he lost his father very young. So. Um, I think a big part of who I am, uh, my father didn't have a father, and I think felt he missed out on a lot of his childhood. My father is infamously a toy collector and a oh, collector yeah. of many. And everything collector. Yeah, kind of. And I think a big part of that is he missed out on his childhood a bit. And so I was raised in this home where my parents liked to do fun things and they collected toys. My mother collected Barbie dolls and Cabbage Patch dolls, and my father bought Hot Wheel cars and antique toys and all this wacky stuff, and they liked to go do fun stuff, I think, because they both kind of missed out on a normal childhood and had worked hard and made a decent living for, for themselves and had money to go do these things. And so when I was a kid, it was, you know, give we're going to give our kid everything um, we never had, and which, which touched me in such a way that the reason – you know, I'm 30-something years old and don't have kids other than the fact that I'm bad at relationships. Uh, but otherwise, um, the reason is is because I've always felt like if I can't give a kid the life I was given, my parents gave me everything I could have possibly wanted. And if I can't be that kind of parent, if I don't have the, the bandwidth or the capacity to give a child that kind of life, then I don't think I should probably do it. I was a Gen X middle kid, so nobody even knew I existed. So I, yeah, that's rough. You know, the, like, the, look, I have loving parents and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, but anyone who's Gen X that grew up a latchkey kid mm. will tell you, in particular, probably being a middle kid. Yeah. Like, those were – there's this TikTok you always see of the guy going like, oh, you Gen Xers that talk about drinking out of the hose. He, like, looks like he, they're all stupid. He's like, was the sink not an option? And they're like, I'll take this. They're like, we weren't allowed in the house that was Gen X, right? Yeah. So you're a little bit behind that, but Gen X was like, yeah, we're we ran we were feral kids. We were we were raising ourselves in the street, yeah. um, and I would come home from school and I would dig through to find some kind of snack to make and watch a little TV, and then yeah. you know, mom might get home at six or something like that and 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 cook something, or we might have already cooked something for ourselves. It's just yeah. kind of a different type of existence. But, uh, you know, when I moved to Florida, things were a little bit different. It was that my family dynamic changed. I was, uh, you know, no longer the – I guess I was still kind of middle-ish. I had two stepbrothers, but they were already out of the house at that point. So yeah. it was like, you know, then I was kind of an only child, but sort of a – I don't know. It was a weird situation. Yeah. I was uh, brought then into – in the family I moved into Florida was – uh, my dad got remarried. We moved to this town called Brooksville, which is a uh, very small kind of rural, hmm. you know, like it was a big deal when they got a Taco Bell. Um, very beautiful part of Florida, uh, but a, a big adjustment. I was from Lawrence, Kansas, which is a college town, right? Yeah. I grew up, half my friend's parents had, they hyphenated each other's last names when I got married. And they were kind of hippies and very, um, you know, kind of very progressive. And I knew kids with weird names and kids from all these countries because their parents were professors mm. at KU or whatever. And I come to this place in Florida where they think I'm backwards and I go, 
you know, they're like, oh, where's your farm, you know, or inevitably if you're from Kansas, they make some Wizard of Oz reference. Yeah. And, and I'm like, you guys are 10 times more backwards than anything that I ever saw in my town growing yeah. up. So it was a big adjustment for me, but um, there was a lot, they were, they kind of were religious and, and the, the kind of religious where you go to church multiple times a week. Oh, so wow. that, I was already someone who was into a lot of stuff. I was always um, into things. I was into sports. I was into music. I was into whatever. So, yeah, I'm in the, I'm in the choir. I lettered in four sports. Whatever got me out of the house and kind of got yeah. me out there, that, that's what I was doing. I was in a smaller uh, town where I could kind of spread my wings and, and do all these things. Where I grew up, you pe- better pick one thing and you better be good at it. Hmm. And I moved to a town where, um, you know, there was more opportunity for to, to do all the things I wanted to do. And I wanted to play soccer. But you know what? I wanted to run cross country before that to get in shape for soccer. And then, uh, you know, I'm captain of the soccer team. And the football team inevitably recruits me to be the kicker, you know. And then in the spring, I'm playing golf. And and uh, what it was all to kind of get out of the house, stay out yeah. of the house. Again, Gen, it's a Gen X thing, I think, where we were all kind of self-raised. Then we were the opposite. I yeah. think we were the indoor generation. Yeah. Um, you know, I I... <laughs> What's funny? I think I made up for it later in life. Um, I didn't get into any trouble whatsoever oh. in my younger years. So I was—I would say I was a good student until like sixth grade, and I wouldn't say I was particularly popular. But then I figured out that I was kind of funny, and yeah. so people realized that, and I kind of became a little bit of a class clown for a bit. And yeah. my grades slipped with that, but yeah. I made a lot more friends. Um, yeah. Probably not for the right reasons, but I made more friends. And so that was kind of sixth through eighth grade was kind of like that. And then when I got to high school, I think St. Clair's was so strict and, and advanced. St. Clair's, you worked basically ahead. That was the other reason my parents wanted to pay for me to go there was because you kind of were going to be ahead of everyone else. It was a good yeah. start. So when I got to high school... Like I remember all my freshman year classes just being like, I we did this already. I know this. We did this. And I was like looking at people, I was like, why don't you guys know this? Um, and so like the first two years of high school, I felt like I was already ahead of everybody. And so grades were good. And um, I, I managed to do that through all four years. And I got a scholarship to college. I went to Iona College in New Rochelle, New York, which was nearby. Um, I could have gone to – I got into Fordham University. I decided I didn't want to go to Fordham because I just – I don't know, between the area and um, the program and uh, expectations of going to Fordham that seemed like a lot, and Iona gave me more money to go there. And again, like my parents already paid a lot for me to go to, um, you know, they, they I, I went to a private grammar school, which wasn't cheap. I went to a private high school, which probably right. was only slightly more, but still cost them money. Um, and then, you know, college was going to be expensive. And so I was like, I have this, this, they have a pretty decent program for journalism and broadcast journalism. I own a college. I own a college. We, you'll hear about us I in don't. March Madness once every <laughs> four years. <laughs> we get knocked out of the first round of March Madness every four years, basically. Um, did you live at home or did you go live? I lived at home. Okay. Because it wasn't that far. You took, I took the Beeline bus up to New Rochelle. And I took it back every day. It was a nice short little ride. And, uh, yeah, so I lived at home. Um, but the the nice thing was my parents were like, uh, basically, because I, I got a free ride for the most part. Yeah. Um, they were like, well, you know, since you saved that money, like every couple of months, they'd be like, I want to go to Disney World. They'd be like, okay. 
Um, and so I would go. Oh. Um, so they made me get a job also. So let, let me preface this. I was made to get jobs. Um, so uh, in in when I was starting college, um, I was made to get a job. And, of course, being me, I worked at Toys R Us um, because everyone knew us Because your dad wanted the hookup on all the He did, but everyone knew us there. Yeah. So they're like, oh, the, the Coriolis kid wants to work at the store. I mean, obviously he'll be good. He knows everything in the store. Um, but they threw me in the R zone, which not, I mean, I knew video games too. The R zone was the, the video game section of Toys R Us. Um, and um, I did that for a couple months, but then like the big thing was I had a big, we had a big Christmas trip planned to Disney World. So I, I got a job there for the holiday season, but then I had to leave like when, like December 22nd, right? And they obviously were not super happy about that. So like when they decide who they're going to keep in January. I was not on that list because you, know, like, you ghosted you left, them when they needed you. Left you left right before right. you right at the biggest rush of the holiday. But right. meanwhile, I'd worked. Man, I think I'd worked over forty hours a week while in college. Yeah, um, you know that entire fall. Did you ever get to meet him? Who? Jeffrey. Jeffrey Giraffe. Oh, my God. He was in a car, and you put a quarter in, and he, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Yeah. Do that whole, that whole shtick. Um, so that happened, and then in the spring, I went to work for CVS, which was such a damaging experience that I still to this day will not go into or give money to a CVS. Um, it was the worst managed store and company I've ever encountered. Yeah. Um, and I was so they knew I was a college student. They knew that. And so I worked for like I worked several days a week for two months, and I'm like I have midterms, and the midterm schedule is not the same as the class schedule. You don't just go to the class time right. for the, so I'm like this is the schedule, so I'm I'm pretty unavailable next week. And they're like okay, but then the next week they only I notice they're only scheduling me Sunday. I only get the Sunday schedule. And I'm like what what happened? And they're like oh we're just. Yeah, it'll it'll change. Blah blah blah. So for months, all I got was the one day of work, the Sunday, because no one wanted to work Sunday. So at CVS, when you only work one day, is the schedule still print out like thirty feet long? Like you're buying well, a no, package. But it, you'd still get a full schedule <laughs> yeah. and it'd just be this one day on. And like, oh gee, thanks again, guys. The other thing was no one liked working the register. I liked working the register. But no one else liked working the register. But I was so bitter at that point because, like, they would go – people would go hide in the store, right? They'd be like, oh, you work register. And if you need help, call somebody. I never needed help because I'm I, gonna go stop I rang Sudafed. people up yeah. so fast that the line never even backed up. Now you go to CVS. I, I hear people say oh, all yeah. the time. The, the wait will go, like, down the front of the store and then turn down the frozen food if they have the frozen food aisle at the end. If you put um, me in a CVS – or you put me in a Walgreens. I can't tell you which one I'm in. Or, yeah. Or maybe you could. There's only – also, you want to know – I don't even know if I could say this, but I'll say it. Do you know what people buy at CVS? Do you know what the – there were there were two things I ran Codeine, up. cough syrup. There were two things I sold every day. And condoms. People would Pregnancy buy – Pregnancy tests. People would buy condoms and then to mask that – it's embarrassing, I think, to buy just condoms. They would – Put like an Entenmann's cake on the table. So Entenmann's cakes and condoms were the were the extent. Are you of what, what, per, we what sold. percentage of Entenmann's revenue do you think is associated with with condoms? Sex. I wonder. But that's what people would do. People would be like, oh, "I'll get a cake." I was like, "That seems like a good night." Are you sure that they? 
yeah, maybe they those may, chocolate donuts. You know, yeah, it's a good time. Maybe they weren't trying to mask their purchase. Maybe they're just like, here's what my Friday night is. Maybe. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give but my to girlfriend me, it an intimate like cake. I can't just buy these. I gotta buy something else. And they just impulse buy an Entenmann's cake or the donuts or yeah, I don't know. It's built into the business model, man. It's it was it's yeah, it was funny. But the thing was, I I got I was so disillusioned, um, and and like they left me at the register. No one, the manager's nowhere to be found. God knows what the manager was doing. So if you had a coupon of any kind, I honored it. I didn't care if it was expired. I didn't care if it was not even a thing we're supposed to take. I don't care if you you drew it with a crayon. I would just punch them in and throw them into the drawer and just be like, whatever, it's fine. It's like my manager's not really here. The other people working this shift in the store are missing. I don't know what's going on, but I'm not slowing this line down to go try and find a manager. I'm sorry, the CVS Corporation is going to lose 50 cents on these Lorna Dunes, and there's no Nothing anyone can do about it. So, what your first ever job was Toys R Us. Though? Toys R Us, and then, uh, and then CVS. I had and a paper route. Oh boy, the worst job ever. Yeah, because you know, like uh, the pressure, like a drip, drip, drip. That'll never stop. Yeah. Every day the paper comes out. It's got to get delivered. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's Christmas morning. You're a kid. You yeah. still got to get up. And then they would send us out to collect all the money. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Oh, it's miserable. I had a paper route. Walt Disney had a paper route. Then I, in in high school, or right after. What, what newspaper? It was called the Lawrence Journal World. Oh, I was like. Not was the Kansas get, City Star. I was getting all excited yeah. that you delivered the Kansas City Star. No. Um, but then I remember I had a job one summer at Rack's Roast Beef. It's kind of like an Arby's type of deal. I wasn't old enough to run the meat slicer, but I could do a lot of other stuff. <laughs> That didn't go real well. I remember I, I drew the line when I had to go dumpster diving because someone threw their retainer away. Oh. Um, let's see. Oh, after high school, I worked for the Tampa Tribune as a as a stringer, a correspondent. Oh, okay. So basically they would pay me to go to like high school basketball yeah. games and write a three-inch like, you know, this school nobody cares about, beat that school nobody cares about, and here's the, you know, a like a box score. Yeah. Uh, but that was really cool when there was like a tournament, those, those holiday tournaments where you could do like 10 games a day. Mm. You got paid decent money. It wasn't bad. Yeah. You know, and when then newspapers uh, made money. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, so I went off to college, uh, went to the University of North Florida. I did re- get recruited a little bit for soccer and even kicking field goals, but I uh, ended yeah. up going to North Florida because all my friends were going there. Uh, I lasted uh, a semester. Then I was like, eh. Got a job. I needed money. I had schol- I had tons of scholarships. Yeah. But they were all small scholarships, like write an essay for the Daughters of the American Revolution. I, mean, I was a DAR cit- good citizen of the year or something like that wow. in, my, in my county. Um, I, I did, maybe the VFW, I wrote an essay. I had all this yeah. stuff. Um, wasn't nearly enough. And I, so I got a job at the Gap in oh, Jacksonville, wow. Florida at the Landing. And um, I worked there for one day. One day, and I enjoyed it. I did a good job. I had good units per transaction. They taught me all that little upselling stuff. Yeah. And then I dropped. I I was like, I don't have enough money. I'm dropping out. So I go back to Brooksville. I'm like going to regroup and figure out what I'm going to do. Um, and they were hiring UPS drivers for uh, like for the upcoming holiday season. So I got hired, and then they never called me. They're like, Oh yeah, you're in. Oh. We'll call you. And Marine Corps called me. 
And I was like, oh. my so my stepbrother had graduated from the Naval Academy, yeah. very high in his class. He's an F-18 pilot. He's killing oh, wow. it, right? Uh, so I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I've never really thought about the military seriously, but somehow the idea of the Marine Corps was like, okay, that I could pay for college with this, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I had tested very high on the ASVAB, and they're like, I took a language test and some other test and, a, and a, like a Morse code test, I think. And they're like, you, you can have any job you want in the Marine Corps, okay. like enlisted job. You can't be, you can't be like, you know, a jet pilot tomorrow. Yeah. But so I had taken this uh, aptitude battery uh, for languages. So mm. they go, okay, you can go to Defense Language Institute. You basically become from there. They train you how to speak languages, and you're kind of like a. Uh, you work in an Intel business, and I was like, "Ooh, cloak and dagger." I kind of like that. Yeah. And then I get all excited about it, and they're like, "But there's no reserve jobs for this. You have to go active duty." Mm. And I'm like, "Oh, well, I got all excited about the job, and then, you know, I'm like, well, I, I don't want to do combat. I don't want to be a grunt, right? I don't want to be a cook. I don't want to do some of these other things." And so I end up joining, thinking what I'll do is I'll I'll get into one of those officer programs. You know, I'll get in the Marine Corps, get in an officer program. Go get my college paid off, finish up, and finish up, and I'll be good to go. And then uh, that didn't happen. I go to Defense Language Institute, and I found out, you know what? It's really hard. Mm. Being a linguist is really hard. Yeah, they this school like I don't know what the washout rate is, right? But it's high. Yeah, and and everything's a numbers game, right? I mean, when I went to boot camp, I think in in Par- at Paris Island, and I think we started with about eighty recruits, and we graduated fifty. Like just mm. being in the Marine Corps, like. Those people eventually graduate, they get injured and stuff like that and get yeah. rolled back. So now I go to a school where there's like a, I don't know, a, a 60, 70, 80% washout rate. And I go there and I'm like, I don't, I can't go to college right now. I can't do all this stuff. And then I go to Intel school and then I'm out in the fleet. Boom. I'm, you know, in the middle of the ocean. It's real hard to go to college out there. And uh, next thing you know, six years later, <laughs> I pop out of the Marine Corps and uh, back to the civilian world. And then that's when I kind of started moving kind of a little everywhere. So from Atlanta to Houston to California to Why? New Mexico, back in, you know, for work. So I, okay. I got hired by this company, and um, they gave me a lot of responsibility early, which meant kind of opening the new offices and handing them off to learning. I learned the ropes on how to kind of run this business, yeah. and then they would get a new office. Go, well, they sent me to Houston, and it turned into a massive operation mm. where we had three offices, hundreds of people um, – you know, and I just would kind of move around and do that. Then uh, I ended up leaving that job, and I had some fits and spurts along the way. But lived in, you know, a little, lived in. I think I've lived in every time zone. Okay. Uh, I haven't lived. My northeast is a little weak. I haven't spent a whole lot of time in. I did for work. I was uh, up in the northeast a little bit, but not New England. You know, a lot of New York, New Jersey, yeah. Philadelphia area, um, Washington D.C., but. Uh, we're talking to the Wigs because uh, if you don't know, the Wigs are watching us record this live. If you want to learn how you can become a Wigs member, you can go to www.nt.com slash Patreon. And uh, Wigs at $7 a month or above level get to watch us do this nonsense live and see the studio view. They and they're do have chatting questions. with Tom. And, oh, yeah, they have. Go ahead. They do. Um, well, Dawn said you weren't a good enough folder at the Gap. That's why you. I was pretty good for good. one day, for my first yeah. day. Um, Chris Lombard had to walk away. Did Eric mention he won Mr. Legs in high school? Did you know that's true? What do you mean? I don't know where they found it. I was homecoming my senior year. They take a photo of all the senior guys on the football team. They take a picture of you from the waist down, and they put these, like, jars 
out for homecoming week with the pictures, and the one that gets the most money wins the title of Mr. Legs, and I won. Wow. Like, there's pictures of it and everything. I, was in, I, was, I had my own parade float. I was... Uh, what the heck? Not, it wasn't a float. I think it was in the back of a convertible type of thing. What? Yeah, I was. And I had to come back the next year for homecoming to crown the new Mr. Legs. It's You know what, though? We're not pieces of meat. I think that was a little bit... Um, yeah, that was... That was a long time ago when those things were more appropriate than they are tonight. I feel objectified now. <laughs> Mark Pyle asked if that was Gulf War time frame when you're in the Marines. No. So um, You're after that, no? I was after that. Yeah, long um, after. I was after that. My first real-world situation I was cast into was Haiti when the uh, president of Haiti basically, Haiti basically experienced a coup. So yeah. that's the first time I saw really bad stuff. Mm. But the, the, the hot spots I went into were like Haiti— uh, Liberia was a big one. Yeah. Liberia's been in civil war forever. I was there. And well, the one thing I want to figure out was I found out Rob Riggle. You know, Rob Riggle was a Marine. Yeah. They were both from Kansas. Mm. Uh, he went to KU, which is where I'm from. And um, he was in Liberia when he was in the Marine Corps. So I'm like, were we in the embassy at the same time? I never know. Because we relieved a group of people who were there. That's the one I think I want to figure out. Spent my last two years in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Before I got out, those are good days. A lot of fun. Good scuba Harold diving. And Kumar. What's that? Harold and Kumar were there? No, they were not. Uh, but I was, uh, I did live in Marine Barracks right there next to Rifle Security Company Windward from a few good, popularized and a few good men. Yeah. Uh, they were in, we shared a barracks with them. Um, I was not, I was, I worked at a, at a, I had a top secret SCI clearance and I worked at a facility where we did various intel activities there. Mm. So, yeah. I didn't stand on a fence line and engage my mirror or whatever they say in that movie. Yeah. It's hard to compete with Eric's stuff. <laughs> well, no, no, that's not true because you go on to get multiple degrees. Yeah, uh, for broadcast journalism and also for political science, yeah. And then I did nothing with political science. But at this time, while you're in college, you've, you started WWNT, right? So the the backstory is, um, of course, like everyone back then, we're talking about the the mid two thousands. Um, everyone at that time is on the WW Magic forums. That's like the hotbed. That's where everything comes from. Like Jason, Jason and Adam and the guys that started WW Celebrations and did Celebration Twenty Five at Epcot. Um, that's where they met. That's where that was coordinated. That's where everybody was. And um, I remember in some sub forum, some people were like, and it was a thing you weren't supposed to do. You weren't really supposed to start competing news organizations out of WW Magic, and they banned people pretty regularly for that stuff. Um, and uh, there was this these people, they're like, we're going to start an email newsletter about Disney news called Mouse House News, and we're looking for writers. And I was like, well, all week at school, I write about depressing, sad things. And don't get me wrong. Like, as a journalist, I I don't mind writing about those things. Like, that's the job is, is we had, we had um, you know, we had like real, we had one professor who I would call a real journalist who taught me everything 
Um, so much of, of the ethics we've applied here in like our situation with Disney when we were kind of quote unquote at war with them and stuff like that. So much of that is what I learned from him. Like he was he worked at the New York Times. It was like he was the real deal. And it was very much like you have to make the world better and, and you know, fight for the, the vo- be the voice of the voiceless and this and that. And it was it was a lot of that. Um, and so like I liked writing that You're stuff. Like, but I kind of like writing about new cupcakes that came out. Well, no one was doing that yet. <laughs> but at the same time, like it was, it, I was looking for something to do. I was bored, kind of. I don't, I don't know. I was bored, and so in my free time, I was like, "Well, what am I going to do?" And that just sounded interesting to write, be able to write about Disney World and people read it. I thought that was interesting, and so we started doing it. I remember like the first newsletter had like. They had like 120 subscribers. And then, you know, it kept growing a bit every week. At the top of the newsletter, it had the number, and I, I was excited about that. I was excited that it was growing every week. Right. Um, and oh, the page counter thing? Did you have the – No, when they emailed it, they like listed oh, yeah. the subscriber count at the okay. top of the newsletter. Um, but all these people contributed these different things. But clearly, I was the person doing the most. My stories were like longer and – um, it was clear I had probably more park experience than a lot of the other people, right? I'm not saying the other people did bad work. There were certain people that wrote good stuff. Um, but I ended up being like the top piece, you know, week after week for, for the short time that thing existed. Um, and then very abruptly, which is what happens, right? People start these things thinking this will be fun, this will be really cool. And no one understands the amount of time and effort and energy that goes into any of this. I, I think that's true because everyone looks at it when they talk to me like, oh, that's like yeah. a dream job and all that kind of stuff. And like, I mean, look, it has its it ups is. and downs. It is Friday night at 9.20 p.m. We've been at I've Epcot been all day for a festival. Yeah. You get you have a 6 a.m. flight to Disneyland. Yeah. Like, like, it's work. And it's a first world right? problem, but it, yeah. it, it's a job, right? It's absolutely a job. And, and anything, no matter how much you love it, uh, is a grind, you know, at, at some point. So I know like it's – look, I'm not saying woe is me, but it, it's all a grind whether, no matter what job people have. I think that's a, a, a problem that when I interview people that want to come work here, I just let them know like, hey, before we get too far down this road, yeah. this is a hard job. Right? You're going to be a reporter. You're going to go to a parks. You're going to be hot. You're going to be tired. You're going to go to your car thinking you can finally go home at the end of the day. And then, boom, we're going to say, actually, this new thing just dropped at Disney Springs. Yeah. And you're going to go, oh, crap, the parking garages are full. That's going to take me forever to go. You know what I mean? You smell the barn. People, There's a lot of people that. People think it's going to be fun. We, I can't tell you, look, like in the course of the 16 years we've been doing this, there are hundreds hundreds of people who have tried to work at this company and hundreds and hundreds of them who failed miserably and all different varying degrees, right? There are certainly people who tried and failed, um, but there were people who I think came in with an expectation that this is, this is, you know, like, oh, they go to Disney World five days a week for work. That sounds super fun. No, you're not going to go on rides. You're not going to do this and that. Either there are absolutely worse ways to make a living, but you you ain't. You know there are high expectations. Number one, because we have an incredible reputation we built over time, that we're going to be the first to things, and, and we're going to be correct, and we're going to give you the full story, and we're going to give you more than anyone else gives you. Um, you know, but we're, we'll go down that route. I have taken uh, jumped ahead a bit. I've taken editor shifts before, though. Yeah. 
and uh, it's not my primary job around here, but every now and then I'll I, I know enough to to be uh, you know to edit and publish on the site. And yeah, I have I I don't think there's anybody who's done the job for any length of time that hasn't like. I don't know, taking a shower with their phone in their hand, looking, making sure they don't miss I, anything. I will tell you how many times I jumped out of a shower while it was running because right. news broke right. when I finally was able at one or two in the afternoon to finally leave the desk all morning. I didn't get to shower in the morning or anything. How many times I had to jump out of that shower and almost slip and crack my head because I needed to be the first to something, right? How many years before you made more than like enough money to mat? Like, how many years? Well, did- let's let's finish the early story, right? Okay. So, so the newsletter they it takes incredible amount of work. They don't realize this. They vanish. The two people who started the newsletter vanish. It's not published. I don't know what's going on. And immediately, I'm like, <clears throat> I've lost this thing I was really enjoying. We were getting a lot of feedback, and it wasn't all like it. It wasn't bad. There wasn't bad feedback, but people. There were I wrote some opinion pieces, and sometimes people would agree, and sometimes they didn't. And people were very passionate, and I liked getting that feedback. People back then were more civil with feedback too. It wasn't like you're an idiot. It wasn't like this guy's a shilling. It wasn't any of that stuff. It was all very much like you know we ate there last time, and this this and this were really bad. I'm surprised you say this. I really think this is better. It was like an actual conversation, um, which was fun. That was interesting. I was like, I like writing these things and then people get really into it to the point at which they feel the need to be part of it, where they want to respond and have the dialogue. And I like that. And so immediately I like, was like, I don't, I don't know what, what, what do you need to do a website? How do you do that? Like, what do you do? Do you get a hosting company and you get this and you get that? And I have no training. I don't know anything about this. Um, and so I just, I asked, uh, you know, I wasn't working at the time. Um, so I never because CVS was only giving you every Sunday. CVS was yeah. The CVS had just ended before before the newsletter started, um, and so my mother was just my mother and father were happy that I was doing an extracurricular thing that was related to what I wanted to do for a living. Right, so I was writing, and so I said basically I was like I want to do this as a hobby, also to work on my writing, which is what I'm going to school for. And my parents were very supportive of that, and they they footed the bill, they, the hosting and the domain and all of that. We would not be here today. I mean, obviously, go. We said we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for my parents because they without them you can't be made. But but the truth is, the company without their support and their financial support for many years. WDWNT doesn't exist because I didn't have anything else and it didn't make money for ever. Forever it was a volunteer for fun thing, but we took it very seriously. We played really hard. Like we – to everyone who was – again, imagine this. This whole organization basically as it exists now, but everyone was volunteering on top of most people with a day job, right? I was the only one who didn't have another job. But everyone else was pitching in whatever free time they had because they thought this was a cool thing to do. Um, and so people would go to the parks and they'd shoot photo reports and I'd write them out and people would, you know, send pieces in. And people wanted to do podcasts and we'd come up with crazy things to do on this podcast every week. And um, it was such an exciting time because, again, just a bunch of people who wanted to do it. It was all volunteer. Right. And some of that magic goes away when money is involved, right? Like there's inevitably a bit of that magic lost 
it's the same with any company, right? Like if you look at the beginning of the Walt Disney Company, it is this incredible thing that these people just could not be stopped and they all believed in it and they all did – like animators became people – became architects somehow. Like what? Huh? Um, and, and then eventually it becomes like a, a – become. I mean it was a real company then but it becomes like a mega corporation at that point and it right. changes what it is, right? And it still keeps some – like WWNT still has a lot of the magic it had originally but you inevitably lose some of that to, to because it becomes a regular business and people get paychecks. And Well, at one you point know. you were also then – people that are doing it for free are because they are extremely – Passionate about that. Yeah, subject. that's so. That is not a sustainable business model, right? You're not it gonna, was, but I'm. It was, and it is no yeah. longer because inevitably, over the, the course of time, grew. people have kids and they have families and they have responsibilities and they can't. Yeah. Do free photo reports for you all no, the time No, but then someone new would come right behind, yeah. right? That's always what happened. Is another person would come right behind, so that some people would move on. Because they'd run out of free time, but inevitably there were more people around. I would say what changed everything was the industry, right? I think when Disney Food Blog came in, not out of passion, right? Out of, you know, to create a business. Um, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. There is when you're me and you love this thing the way you I do. I know, but I'm saying, but I'm saying, <laughs> in this world, there's nothing. No, I'm saying, well, seeing, a, seeing a market. And yeah. developing a product that, that people no, want to consume the is the world that yeah. we live in. As a passionate person who I understand your personal differences this, yeah. with the My personal difference is because I care about this thing and you don't and you try to be an authority on a thing you don't actually care about. That's that's my that's where my anger in that situation comes from because we were an entire organization of people who just did it because we loved it. And then you you have the antithesis of that, which is a bunch of people who want to make money, and it, they're two different they're two different things. Um, but anyway, but but that changes the business, right? People start getting paid, and so you have to compete with that. But for a while, like we still lived on that volunteer basis until. Um, so so when I moved to Florida, I had to get a real job. So I I did have a real job at the same time, I did. WDWNT, and that job was I worked at Theme Park Connection. Theme Park Connection. Did you work at Target? So I moved here for a girl who ended up That's being, always a great idea. No, and she ended up being the worst human being to ever live. Um, but um, it got me to move. So, like, eventually after six months in the relationship, things were strained. It's like, well, you, you move here. We're not doing this. And I was like, oh, time to go. I'm out of school. It's time to go. Um and so I moved. I was just trying to find something to pay the bills for the time being. I, I was trying to get a job at the Orlando Sentinel and all these other things. The Sentinel's like, we don't really have money. We're, we want to do more theme park stuff, but we don't have money. And it was a back and forth. And eventually I'm like, I need to get something just in the meantime. Um, and so I applied at Target and I was hired and I had a start date. But then, um, funny enough, Attractions Magazine posted, because they used to film their shows at Theme Park Connection, um, that they were hiring. And I was like, well, that seems much cooler than working at Target. And I went in and in the interview um, with Brian, like it was immediate, like clear, like looking at product. It's like, oh, he knows, he knows what he's looking at. I identified yeah. in, in my, t at the interview, I identified things in the room. They didn't know what they were. They didn't know what they had. 
and that sealed it. I did. I got home, and there was already a voicemail on my phone that I had gotten the job because they were like, well, we, we need to hire this guy. Um, and so I never went to my first day at Target because I started at Theme Park Connection, and I had the best and worst time working at Theme Park Connection. There were mistakes made where eventually my significant other ends up working there. She worked at Touring Plans before that, and there's a whole thing I probably don't want to get into about how Len Testa fired a mother of two children because his travel agent sponsor didn't like me. That's a whole different thing to get into. But I'm the villain, remember, folks. Um, but then she needed work, and so I went to Brian, and, like, I'm running the show at that point because I identify everything that comes to the door. Like, I've, I've proven – that I'm invaluable to the organization. I was like, this would be a big help, and I know you kind of need more people. And he's like, all right, cool. And so I, like an idiot, had my significant other hired at my workplace. Um, and that went about as well as you'd imagine. But I assure you, whatever, however bad you think it went, it went a million times worse and so bad that I can never really give you the actual details of what happened because it's – it's just too much. It's way too much. Um, so, but during this time, then you're working, let's just say, eight hours a day at Theme Park 40, Connection. Forty to fifty hours. A and week. then you get home at night. You're writing stories for WW News Today. Maybe sometimes during the day at work. Okay. Maybe depending on things and yeah. and so during this, like you start a website, and I, I imagine you there you get to a point where they're like, okay, I can I qualify for like Google AdWords or. I, yeah, get Google Ads, yeah. Google Ads, whatever. AdSense. AdSense, sorry. And yeah. uh, that's not who we use, so I don't know. Um, but at some point, you're like, hey, I made – I don't know what the amount I is. Actually, there, I imagine you went through several years where you're like, I'm making like 30 bucks a day. No. Um, no. So I fought against having ads for years. Yeah. Because I was, quote, unquote, above that. So for years, I fought that off until, like, we reached the point where the, the website traffic was really high, and it's clear, like, the website needs more of my attention. It There, there came this moment where it was, well, I can either – some of it was a need. We needed some minimal revenue because people – we're doing very professional work and it felt right to give them some money, right? So we had web design people and people like that. You have to and pay for hosting. Some money, yeah. And so it was like, can we cover the bills and can we at least give some people some money for the stuff they're doing that would deserve? And again, they're getting paid way less than they would in the real world for these things. But it was a way to say thank you to people, right? And so there were minimal ads. And then um, – some of those people were like, "We should, you should put more ads on. You have none. Put a couple and you can make money. Maybe it'd be your full-time job. And I was like, all right, we can try it. Well, you know, maybe it's not unreasonable. Like newspapers have ads, right? Like this is right. not, you know, broadcast journalism I was going to school for. Right. Certainly advertising. Uh, maybe I'm being a little ridiculous. Um, and so we started doing that. And, of course, at the time, I'm, my sources are – we had everything. We, we posted every attraction announcement, every – if Walt Disney World – if someone at Walt Disney World sneezed, it was on our website. The, Disney couldn't do anything without it first appearing on the website. So we built this reputation of we're first. It's the place to go. And for cast members, it became the place where it's like 
my managers don't even know what's going on. I, I follow you guys just to know what's happening right. at my job. I get that a lot from people even today. Still, where like, it carries on. They're like, bit, sometimes I find out a lot of stuff before I find it out at work. Cast yeah, um, and things have changed over time. Disney's internal communication was way worse then than it is now, and so that was a thing where, where um, you know, through a set of circumstances, I came into a lot of great sources that, you know, benefited uh, us greatly. But the idea was never like, oh, we're going to become the biggest and we're going to make money and blah, blah, blah. I shared those things because it was exciting. As a fan, it's exciting to be the first site to, 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 to put that breaking post out that the Backlot Tour which open with the park is closing and they're going to build a Toy Story land mm-hmm. um, to, to come on and be like Maelstrom's going to close forever for a frozen. Well, these are all things that, you know, the first place anyone in the world found out about them was our website. Um, so that was a crazy, wild and, and exciting time from like 2013. That kind of starts in 2013 and, and lingers on for many, many years through the Chapek years. Um but yeah, so it starts to take off, and at Theme Park Connection, it's clear to them that it's taking off, and so it becomes like it's clear you're being pulled in two directions. We need to figure out what you're doing, and so I I met with Jason and and Patty who worked here at the time, and it was like, well, I I I was like, there's enough money where I could go full time. There's just enough where I can go full time and pay my rent and make enough to live. Just mm-hmm. enough. If you guys are okay with that, I didn't want to just say I'm doing it because I founded the company. Right. Um, it was like a team decision. It's like, are you guys okay with that? If I leave my day job and we make a serious run at this making money, so it could be my full time gig and then possibly the full time gig of more people. Right. Also, you have more time, right? So, full disclosure, Jason has a full time. Yeah. Very good yeah. professional Jason job. Jason was around way less back then. Yeah. 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 And I mean, yeah, so it was like it was it was his passion thing, but it wasn't his, you know, it wasn't his full-time right. gig. Um, so they were very supportive because they had other jobs that where they did very well. And I, you know, Theme Park Connection was fun. It never paid a giant amount of money, but I lived comfortably enough. Um but yeah, and it was the decision was okay. I'm going to leave Theme Park Connection. We're going to make, and it was an incredibly scary thing. I remember my mother talking to me and being like, "Well, what are you going to do if it doesn't work? You have to get a real job." Blah 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 blah. Um, and so we start that way, and it's it's not a ton of money. But then we come into you know, Google Ads is a terrible way to make money, no. and and they really squeeze you. Um, and so we started to learn that oh, our web traffic's high enough to have better ad clients, right? Um, and then the first month we switched that, it's like – You're oh. like, oh, my God. So what happened was – this is somewhat embarrassing. Um, at that time um, – well, it's not a shared account. My my mother uh, and I have, have bank accounts that are attached essentially, so we can easily send Mom money. Mom can see your money. Yeah, and I can see hers. Yeah. We send money between each other easily. Um, and so a shared bank account with your mother, yeah, probably embarrassing, but why, why do I have to go fix it? That's the difference. Um so a, a ton. We didn't have a company bank account, and so the, all the company money went into my bank account. It was this big sum of money, and my mother looks at me. We're at Plaza Restaurant. I forget. We're sitting at Plaza Restaurant, and I was like, um, she gets like the notification on her phone, and she like of a deposit email or something. Yeah, and she's like, she's like, where did you get this money? I'm like, she's like, what are you doing? I was like, the website's doing really well. And she's like, "What? Are, but how do you make money?" I was like, "The ads on the website." And she's like, "Oh!" And I still think it took a good while for my parents to realize that this was a successful venture. Yeah. 
Um, I think they realized it when we did. I think the great movie ride rent out was when they realized that this was something like that. This is going to be what he does the rest of his life. Um, So for those that don't know the story, um, you know, Bob Chapek went on stage at D23 in 2017 and announced that Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway was happening and that um, Guardians was happening. And And at no point did he mention the great movie ride nor the universe of energy because why mention right. it? Because he knew people would be mad. So just, you know, basically on the Disney Parks blog, they just like snuck it in where they're like, oh, to make way for these new experiences, the great movie ride and the universe energy will close forever on August 13th, 2017. And that's three and a half weeks away. Three and a half weeks to say goodbye to an opening day Epcot attraction and the centerpiece ride opening day attraction of of the Disney MGM studio. So two parks, opening day attractions. One of them, basically the spaceship earth of that park is closing in three and a half weeks. So Disney, like they had a heads up and look, we kind of knew something was happening. We had posted like a year and a half earlier. Um, so a lot of people don't know this, but Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway was not the Mickey ride originally envisioned for that space. Right. It was the great Mickey ride, which was a ride through Mickey's great history moments. of Mickey. Um, that got nixed in, in favor of Runaway Railway. Um, and so Runaway Railway was a surprise to me. I had not heard about that because Mickey ride was happening last I had heard. Um, so that was a surprise. But nonetheless, that's not even my, my thought is the great movie. They're really going to close the great movie ride forever. It's very sad. I love one of my favorite attractions. Um, I think honestly, you know, uh, probably second right behind Journey into Imagination is movie ride for me. Um, which it changed my life. Um, another, uh, you know, little anecdote, uh, movie ride, when I'm in my teenage years, we ride in, we're riding movie ride one trip. And I just think like, I don't know what half these movies are. I have no idea what these are. And I just decided, I was like, I want to see every movie that's in this ride, not just the scenes, like the montage. Which I want to watch the searchers. Yeah. I want to watch footlight parade. Mm-hmm. I want to watch. Oh, what great. are these? I don't know what they are. Mm-hmm. And so, thanks to Turner Classic Movies and things like that, right? We didn't. We weren't streaming yet, folks. You couldn't just go. You know, Netflix was just starting to upload like the copies of the DVDs online, where you could watch yeah. them online. Um, but you had to like look. I every week would search like the TV guide for for Turner Classic Movies. And, and everything and just see where these movies were playing. And it was quite like, so number one, I had to find the list. I had to locate the list of everything that was in the montage, which was near impossible. But someone on WWE Magic in the forums You're talking about it. the montage at the end? At the or, end, yeah. I'm thinking pre-show. I'm sorry. Well, the pre-show stuff is all the scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the pre-show stuff is represented in the scenes anyway. Um, and I'm like, so I found the list and it's a long list. Oh, yeah. And so I start just knocking them out. And in the course of doing that, like, there's so many movies where I just fall in love with them. The Searchers being one of them. Searchers is a fantastic movie. Um, You know, I think about all these movies that, uh, and and in the course of doing that also, because TCM's on, like, I I encountered a bunch of movies that I had never seen that I love, um, like, Network and and a lot of really good stuff. Um, So, like, Movie Ride changed my life. Uh, you know, all those, all, seeing all those, so much of the media you take in, the entertainment you take in, shapes you as a human being, and certainly Movie Ride um, did. 
So um, they knew in advance. So like the Parks blog used to do meetups back when that division had the budget for it. Um, they used to do these meetups, which usually they're they're big budget things and they're really neat. Um, and one of them was like a farewell movie ride dessert party. So you, they take the – and it's the thing they sold for events. You could book Correct. it. So they would take all the cars off the track. Mm-hmm. It's a trackless ride. There's a wire embedded in the ground. They take all the cars out. You walk – the ride. So you walk where the cars go. The great movie rock. There are live actors mixed in to bring the scenes to life with the animatronics running too. And then they serve you like desserts and drinks in Oz and the finale room. Mm -hmm. And it's super cool. And the whole time I'm doing this, like this is really neat. But in the, in the lead up to that, the registration for those things were a nightmare. I lucked into the Parks blog one, but I like only a couple people could get into the D23 one. I forget what the – there ended up being like three or four of these events. There was one because my my ex-wife, mm. um, um, she was a cast member. She had been friends with Snow White and all these other things. But I think her first job with the company was as a bandit on Movie Ride. Mm. And I know that a bunch of former – uh-huh. Movie ride cast members had a big get together to yeah. say goodbye one night. And yeah. I didn't make it to that, but I don't know that. We couldn't take that night for the event because they had already booked it. Yeah. They beat us to the punch. Um, um the the second they were the second to last night. I think mm-hmm. we were two nights ahead. Um but long story short, the registration is a nightmare and there are thousands of people on the internet complaining that they don't get to do this big farewell to the great movie ride because the registration was so limited. The D23 website was a mess. Like all the usual Disney registration problems occur. And so I'm sitting there and I think I call, I think I pick up the phone and call Jason. And I go, they rent, you can rent independently movie ride for this thing, right? He's like, yeah, it's on the, it's on the like events website. You can do it. And I go, what if we did it? Like, what if we rent it out somewhere during that last week or the second to last night? What if we rent it out and give these people who miss the opportunity the chance to buy a ticket and go to it, right? Because we – look, we were doing well, but we weren't doing well enough to foot the whole bill. Like, I couldn't just pay for it and let people in for free like Parks Blog. I couldn't do that. Um, But we could front the money. Can you tell me how much you paid? It was 30-something grand. 30-something grand. For? For like three hours or something? I'm trying to remember if it was 250 or 500 people. It might have been 250 people. I think it was 250 people. 250 people. Yeah. 30 grand. Um, yeah. So um, it was it was wild. So we reach out to events. And at this point, events is working with us. We've done several things with them. Right. Um, we've done a lot of cool things with them. And... So they start going through the process of booking it, and suddenly it becomes, oh, we have we've been asked to run your event through public relations and public affairs, and I'm like, I'm just someone trying to rent out the ride. Why is it going through public relations and public affairs? And it's because we are who we are, right? right. Um, so it gets run through them, and uh. I, it's taking a long time, and we're running out of time, right? They're, I need trying, to collect, they're trying to slow play. I need to collect 30-something thousand dollars by such and such date, and days are going by. Where like So Public Affairs signed off on it. If I learned anything from movies in the 80s, you throw a wild kegger to raise the money at yeah. the last minute so that you – I'm sorry. So Public Affairs 
um, after like three days, public affairs runs it through. They're like, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Public relations is like sitting on it. And we're at like the Friday. It's the end of the week. I forget how many days ahead we are. We're not Mm -hmm. a ton of days ahead of the due date of the money. And they wait, public relations waited until five o'clock on the Friday to finally sign off on it with, with these weird caveats. What were um, the caveats? The caveats were in the marketing, we could not say the great movie ride. We couldn't say where the event was. We're having an event for people who love movies and attractions about them, but we can't yeah. tell you where. Yeah. So that was caveat number one. Number two was no live streaming is allowed. We're okay. not allowed to live stream from the attraction. And um, I forget the marketing. There was all sorts of weird marketing things. Um, and so they finally – like we have all these caveats, but we can do it. So what's funny is is while we're waiting, we we knew what was happening, right? Like the I was already at odds with – the PR department then, I want to separate that from people now. We're not in the same place. So a lot of people are different and even so, like, again, very There's some trouble in the past. Different, the very different circumstances from today. Um, and so uh, we, we start getting ready because we're like, the second we can do this, we need to hit the floor running. So Jason like builds the registration page and this and that and blah, 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 blah. Um, And so what we did before we even got the approval from PR because we knew. So actually the thing that saved us was I had tweeted um, when I ran the idea by Jason the first time. I tweeted like if we were to do this. Would you be interested? And we got thousands of people responding. And we're like, well, that's, yeah, people would pay. And we're like, if it was paid, would you come? And people were like, yes. And then I tweeted in the middle of that process, I tweeted something like, oh, we're trying to throw this goodbye for the great movie ride for fans. For a we ride that is about movies. Yeah, no, and we don't even have that caveat. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's very much like we're working on this. We will let you know when when it's approved by Disney. Something like that. Those were not the exact words. I think because of that tweet, they looked at it and were like, well, he's going to go. If we deny the event, he's going to publicly go announce that we denied the event. Right. They spiked they it. Gonna yeah. look yeah. And so they're like, we we have to let him do it. What what can we – if we give him these caveats, will he say no? And they tried to come up with a bunch of caveats thinking, I think, thinking I would say no to the event. Yeah. Um, and then they gave them to me and two seconds later I responded with, "Go, we're, we're good. And then – so what's funny is um, we knew we were at that point where PR like had to um, – PR – we were waiting for the PR approval. We started selling tickets. Uh, we started selling tickets. You have to. Earlier in the Friday behind closed doors. So yeah. if you were people, I started messaging people I knew privately were interested and the people I felt were the biggest champions of it. So even some people I'd never met before, um, I know Jeff's out there somewhere, um, uh, the great guy. Jeff like was like me and my friends will be there, and he was like he was the one who convinced me. He was the first person to say that and like convince me. And so I felt indebted to this person. And every time I tweeted about it, I saw Jeff's name come up. I was like, I owe this guy. I'm gonna DM him and tell him like if you want to buy your tickets first before they sell out, 
here you go. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, he's a really, really great guy. Um, yeah. So um, we started selling tickets and we got the approval and it was time to rock and roll. And we sold out of the event in, I think, about a day and a half. 250 tickets, which were priced at several hundred dollars each. Um, wow. They were gone in, in 48 hours. We had a bunch of other weird things like PayPal. I didn't know if you made a certain amount of money, PayPal would hold it and all sorts of – we had all sorts of Like problems. all of our other events, you lost money, right? We did because in the end I donated a, a nice chunk to yeah. uh, Ryman Arts. Ryman yeah. Arts got a donation. Um, so what happened was the event went over budget. And so I told people we're going to give money to Ryman Arts. And in the end, all that was left for Ryman Arts was like two grand. And I remember sitting there going, like, we can't give Ryman Arts just two grand. That's, look at all these people. We're going to give them two grand. And I announced at the event, it, while we're in the room, I told people, I was like, well, we only raised two grand for Ryman Arts. But what we're going to do at WWNT is actually we're going to raise that to five grand as yeah. a thank you for everyone making this happen. Yeah. Um, and so we we kicked three grand ourselves to Ryman Arts, which was a lot for us. At the time. Yeah. We were, you know, we're still, still a, a very young. Co- I mean, it's a lot of money no matter what, but it was a very young company. Um, and but we we you know felt it was the right thing to do. Um, I'm sorry, I don't know how I got on this great movie ride event tangent, but that's okay. People like the little anecdotes or the big anecdotes. Yeah. In this case, I mean, that's one of my. F- that's still one of my favorite moments of my life is that event. It was my, cause it went, it was the moment. Oh, that's why. Cause the moment my parents like realized, cause people, people at the event realized that was my, those were my parents went up to my parents and said how much they were like, I love what your son does. Your son is the best, blah, 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 all these really sweet things. Um, and so my parents at the end, I think were just so taken aback. They're like, wow, what, what he does means something to a lot of people and look at the scope of this thing that he's involved in. Maybe this is actually a real job and he doesn't need to look for something else. So let me ask you a personal question because for all these people that appreciate what you do, inevitably you have (laughs) some detractors. Some. And, um, I want, I just want to, how do you deal with that? Because, for a very long time, you've been a um, polarizing figure, I guess is fair to oh, say, in the Disney community. Yeah. Controver- the most controversial. Um, there are people that it doesn't matter what you do are gonna, yeah, you know. Oh, talk I'm the crap worst human you. being to ever live. Yeah. Uh, and there are people that have your back, but oh, um, yeah. how do you do it? Because I'm not, um, I'm not a prominent figure in the Disney community, and yeah. I still see comments that bother me sometimes. I try yeah. not to let it bother me, but I'm sure you see a lot. Oh, I mean, I've, I've, if there's a name or an insult, and I mean from, you know, the, the ones you can write and to the ones you really shouldn't, um, I've, yeah. I've had them thrown my way. Um, people, it's not, I don't think that you, you people can claim they're thick-skinned. Inevitably, I think if you're a public figure of any stature, whether it's lowly Disney internet community you know, or, you know, Timothy Chalamet, um, whatever level of, so Taylor Swift, whatever level there is, like, there is no way that's, that you've ever not been bothered by something someone's written. And there's no way you've never not seen, uh, what people are saying. Right. Um, and no, it's, 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 it's the price of fame, right? 
but it is a terrible, terrible price, right? Because they're especially, you know, I think I've taken a beating several times for things. Um, you know, Country Bears comes to mind when when you know Disney sure. said on the Parks blog that we had lied. And you know, people, people still to this day will, will yell fake news or um, even even when we announced we were back on the media list, people there, – there are comments today that were, um, you know, this organization that makes up stories is now on the media list. And I'm just sitting there and thinking, do you really in a million years believe that Disney, the Walt Disney Company would go out of its way – to put people on the media list who make completely fabricate things about their company, that would be the most insane decision a human being could make, right? So why? how could that cross your mind that that's a thing? Well, I mean, as I say, haters going to hate, but you've got a lot. And yeah. uh, I don't know how far that goes back. I don't know if that, that goes, goes back to, to the, the country beginning. bears or it's the beginning. Oh, it goes back to the beginning. But I think when it was just some people, uh, you know, a handful of people on Twitter was easier to deal with than when it became a worldwide phenomenon. You're right? a little bit of a bombastic personality, right? You, yeah. You say what you believe yeah. unapologetically and yeah. a lot of people don't like it. And, no. And – um I would say sometimes without the tact that I would use when you respond no to tact. people. Uh, tact did not uh, – that was not part of your uh, education growing up, I no. guess. No. No. I was like, I this is what I believe and you can like it or you cannot. And people, when they do not, instead um, decide – instead of deciding, I, I just don't like that human being, we don't get along, um, decide to make it very personal. And decide to deride, you know, at every chance they get the work you do, the quality of your character. Um, and then the the ultimate irony of the situation is people who claim you make things up then just basically on a whim or on a whisper um, in, invent a personality for you. And they create a character of who you are. And then the more they say that on the internet, the more that becomes reality, the more people read it. And I can't tell you how many times there's things that I've heard snowball, right? There was the whole thing that I supposedly will ask for my own ride vehicle. <laughs> That's my favorite one. Yeah, that was my favorite one. Where And, and literally the, the cast member who tweeted it took it down because I very, I very calmly said, look, this is not what happened. Can you please remove this? I really don't need more drama over nothing. And there, and then she's very, of course, very combative about it. it. Was like, well, it did happen, but I'll, I'll remove it though. And I was like, thank you, I appreciate it. Oh, okay. Um, trying the other things, um, but there's been a bunch of that kind of stuff, and and certainly it, it continues. Um, and and the thing that. Um, I think has uh, exacerbated it over time has been, um, you know, we, we talked about the rotating door at WDWNT, which is this job is very hard. And so you either last a very short period of time or probably last a long period of time because either you can hang or you can't. Um, and I think in that time, look, I have not been the world's greatest boss. I will admit to that. And I think there are definitely people over the course of 16 years that I could have been um, a better mentor too that I could have managed. Uh, well, look, in a more I think some of the way. some of um, these skills and attributes that make you um, very good at creating something yeah. are not necessarily 
things uh, that good management skills of yeah. people. Managing people is completely different yeah. from being good at create at, at you know yeah. uh, creating a website. I'm not comparing myself to Steve Jobs. I want to I want to point that out. Yeah. But Steve Jobs, a great example, right? Where he was an incredible mind, but famously was uh, held a to pain in the ass, a, a yeah. bad person. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you, I spend a lot of hours thinking about that, right? I, I mean, in the heat of the moment, I can be very difficult. Yes. Um, but I do spend I work a lot for, of hours. I've worked for you I for know. over three years. And Eric's You can be a tremendous pain in the ass. Probably wrongfully so many a time. I, but, yeah, I cannot tell you how many calls I've gotten randomly from Tom of him yeah. screaming, not necessarily at me, but about something. Yeah. And it's, it's most of the sometimes. time, the weird thing is when you call me, you stay on a phone for a really long time, and by the end, you're like calm and chill and have figured it out. Because I need to. But you do have that, that like a yeah. uh, little bit of a hair trigger temper. Yeah, I've I've not heard you like really berate employees, but I can see where sometimes yeah. your expectations um, don't convey the same in text that they would if you were sitting next to the person. Yeah, I I, I get that a lot. Um, I think over time, look, I, I I think I could have made better decisions, but I think. There is there is some responsibility that a number of people who have worked for this organization do not take for their performance. I think there have been people who really didn't work out and and they put the full blame on the organization. And I don't think that was absolutely true. There I are think. people that are are good and well qualified that just didn't fit for whatever reason. Yeah. Right. So there could be somebody that does good work yeah. and we are friends with them and they yeah. just are like, look, I I can't give as much as I need to to this, yeah. or I found something different. Look, a lot of our organization is very bottom heavy in terms of there are there are a lot of entry level positions that we've had yeah. in the past, and some of those you have to let people you, you throw them out of the nest and see if they can fly. Yeah. Sometimes even if they can fly, it's like you know, hey, I got a new opportunity, I'm moving on, yeah. or this is just a lot of stress, yeah. right? It, it is a lot of stress, yeah. and it's a lot. It's not just stress from you. It is stress if you're a writer and you write something and people say nasty things about you. Look, we have a yeah. we have a writer who gets all kinds of, who's been here a very long time, who gets all kinds of nasty emails yeah. from people. You know that that assume that they have uh, some sort of political leaning that they may yeah. or may not have. You know, because yeah, uh, if you're looking was, for stuff to be pissed off about, you're going to find it no matter what. Yeah, like when the article is, is DeSantis picking on Disney, then then it's, oh, you're defending Disney. And then when it's the other way around, it's the, the people say Disney the opposite. And it's like, it's like, well, I can't be both. I can't be – I can't love and hate Ron DeSantis simultaneously. People, get, people instead of – you know, they attribute the factual news – um, to being your opinion as opposed to it being like, well, no, this is what happened today. I'm not taking a side. This is the facts. We're providing you with a sourced factual story, but you're attributing something to us, right? Uh, we, we touched on this before, but people can shop for the facts that align with them, right? Yeah. So uh, on almost any subject, you can predict what a certain politician's opinion is going to be on that on which which facts that they're going to go with, right? Yeah. There are look. Albert Einstein had very intelligent people that were well credentialed and well educated who could dissect something. He had rivals yeah. that had differing opinions from him and different reached different conclusions. And yeah. frankly, I'm not qualified to evaluate the difference between those, and neither are you, yeah. right? So we have a bunch of common people trying to just kind of pick their horse. And um, you know, in the case of something like the the 
Reedy Creek stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. And some of it is easy to understand and know, and some of it is not. And so it's yeah. hard to really, you know, it's, and, and there are no innocent people in this whole thing. Yeah. Right? There, are, there is blood on the heads of everybody involved in this. Um, and so who, who you pick almost exclusively depends on your political leaning yeah. for a lot of these people. Me being a kind of yeah. a centrist, I can, I can see it kind of both ways. Um, but I see things that are wrong that both sides have yeah. done. Um, but if you look, what's, what's amazing. But, that, but for people to personally attack yeah. a writer of a story who generally the yeah. stories are fairly unbiased, you know, or they'll write, you know, hey, this is what happened. And we're usually citing a source. Yeah. This is what happened. And they go, yeah, but you didn't cite this source that I found on the dark web. Yeah, yeah and we didn't, you know. What's amazing about WWNT is if you search the internet, you'll find all, like, every, but people will be like, oh, he's, he and the website are racist. But then the next comment will be, ah, oh, they're, they're, they're too woke. They're too woke. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, which one is it? Am I a racist or am I woke? And how can, like, then obviously we're in the middle. If if a bunch of people think we're on both sides, then I think we're actually doing the job right because it means they can't actually tell what's going on because there is no agenda. They, they are trying to read into it, but it turns out it leans both ways because it's fair to both sides, whether it's, you know, po- politics or whatever. Um, but that's that's the truth of the situation. But, but the thing is, you know, especially... On Twitter over the years, um, the the story will be that one person can essentially just make something up about me, and then people will jump on because it's the cool, fun thing to do. Sure, you know he's the. Uh, the I'm not going to dignify that with a response, man. and that means you must it must be the true. mean man. The mean man. Yeah. Um. Well, that's too bad, and we got a little off track of who are surprise, you and all this yeah. kind of stuff. But surprise, surprise, we got off track on this podcast. Um. Do you know that I had a Disney podcast? In 2000 and, I don't know, five? No. 2006, yeah. The, the two infancy fing- of podcast. The two-finger point. Oh. And uh, my brother and I had it. And uh, this one, I lived in New Mexico. And um, lived everywhere. <laughs> the uh, relationship I was in there kind of fell apart, and I ended up moving, and the podcast kind of died, and, and yeah. uh, it doesn't exist anymore. But we were... Um, Friends with a lot of people that were like in that Disney podcast network, the DPN, went to, oh, Mount, yeah. went to Mouse Fest oh, a yeah. few times, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And then I, I then was my kind of Disney dark period uh, when I was doing other stuff. But um, yeah, those were the days, the early days of the Disney podcasting. Yeah. So I did do that. Yeah. I was involved probably around the time that WWNT was getting a start. I was yeah. involved in the podcasting community, if you believe it. I should have started a rival site and we could hate each other now. You never know. Could have happened. Boy. Um, should I say how I got involved in the company? I mean, you certainly can. I auditioned. Yeah, for News Tonight. Yeah, I didn't even know the company. Yeah. Um, and my girlfriend said... Hey, you're looking for something to do. I talked about like doing a podcast or something. Yeah. And and uh, she goes, You should try this. And I'm like, Yeah, yeah. You ever get sent something and someone's like, You should, do- hey, people used to be, Oh, here, there's this new like game show. You should go be on that. And you're like, Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. I'm not going to go be on a game yeah. show. Um, and um, curiously enough, I just decided to apply. Like yeah. after a couple of days, I was like, Ah, screw it. I'll apply. Yeah. I got an email from, from Jill Diffendahl. And she's like, Hey, uh, 
can you give examples of your prior work doing this stuff? I was like, uh, nope. But I think I was witty enough that it kept her on the hook. Like she kept like yeah. asking me more questions. And then she's like, well, Tom would like you to come in and audition. So I came in and I auditioned um, for News Tonight. Back I put when it, Jill used to handle some of the I, Yeah, Jill kind of did HR stuff. Didn't last time. long, but. Um, <laughs> but I remember like auditioning for you and Colleen was there. And like when I left, they're like, um, I called Lee and she's like, well, how'd that go? I was like, well. Yeah, and I had a full-time job, by the way, at the time, yeah. a very busy job. And I was like, well, I'm, I, I would be surprised if I didn't get it no. based on how it went. And then I immediately got offered um, a spot on News Tonight, not knowing, like, by the way, this is this is basically a hobby, right? This You're not going to make a living on News Tonight. No. <laughs> you get paid gas money to get to the yeah. studio, right? And then right after, like, uh, maybe three weeks into me being part of the cast of News Tonight, yeah. Uh, COVID happened, right? And then uh, some people know this story. Uh, Colleen was your assistant at the time, and she mm. messaged me, and she said, Tom wants to know if you can do a show on Saturday. This is Tom has decided we're going to do two shows a day live every day until people aren't locked down anymore, right? Until the park's open. Until the park's open again. And... Um, she said, Thomas, if you do a show on Saturday, I was like, okay, well, I don't know what I'll do. She's like, you can do whatever you want. I was like, oh, well, that sounds yeah. great. So uh, they said, well, what's the name of your show? I was like, I mean, I don't think I need a name. I'm just showing up on Saturday to do a show. She's like, oh, no, you're doing from like 11 to 2 every Saturday. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't realize what I signed up for. So we put it in locked in with Eric Morton together and – and that was kind of my introduction to the company, right? As a new guy, then I have a three-hour show every Saturday where I did whatever yeah. I wanted. You can tell who the longer-term Wigs members are because um, this is this is a period of time people look back with, my, and, and I think myself and everyone in the company now looks back on really fondly. Yeah, and that's referred to as WWNT Live, which was the parks are closing. What are we going to do? We're going to go on the air a bunch. Um, and so some people are like, wow, two shows a day. And other, uh, so Heather said that. And then uh, Jay Ware came in and said WWNT Live was the best. And it kind of was. It kind of was. So I didn't know what I was going to do. Like, yeah. what, what do I do? Nobody knows me. Yeah. I don't know any, any organization that'll loop in and bring them into my show. Yeah. So I'm just going to go live. And you're brand new. Yeah. And my very first show was at the old studio, right? Mm-hmm. I went into the studio because we hadn't started like everybody doing everything on Zoom yet. Yeah. And, um, I open a new show. People barely know me, and we acted out the entire carousel of progress. Yeah, with a fake rotating stage in front of the, held in front of the camera. Like this is some janky, janky stuff. And uh, we acted out. We changed jackets in each scene, uh, and that was horrible. But everyone was like, "Oh, this guy will do weird stuff." Yeah, I think I'll watch again next week. And so that became it was not the most popular show we've ever done, but it, it, I went for 10 weeks. Yeah. For 10 weeks, so over 30 hours of programming. Yeah. And uh, and then... Well, News Tonight was, I was still happening. Kind of, then too. News Tonight was going on. We had the roast, I remember. The roast is still... I the roast of Tom was... Corliss. Billy, put a card for this. The roast yeah. of Tom Corliss, if you've never seen it, during COVID yeah. lockdown, might be one of the best things we've ever I, done. It's my favorite thing from that period. I think everyone did... 
I think it, it could have been a train wreck. And instead, everyone like did a great job, and it's actually really funny. Yeah, it is. And um, so we did that. We did a few of these other things. And at some point then, I bought a house, and um, my job, which my employer was in Tampa, but all my projects were in Orlando, so I was in Orlando constantly. Yeah. And they're kind of going, all right, when you wrap up all these projects in Orlando, which I had 26 large projects, yeah. and I got them kind of run across the finish line, and they're like, I think they wanted me back in Tampa. And I was like, you know, it became clear that my relationship with my girlfriend had progressed to the point where I was not going to be back in Tampa. Yeah. And so you and Jason basically talked to me and were like, we can give you like a real job here. Yeah. Like a, a, a real job where you can, you know. Things were getting a still bit own a house here. And, and I, yeah. I had a lot on my plate. And I think Jason had enough on his plate to where we were like, we could use We need like a, a that, ringmaster. Like, could help with this. Yeah. And that's how I ended up here. And that's been over three years now. Crazy. Yeah. Aren't you, you're about to be at, at four, no? I, I don't know. No, I started in 2020. Yeah. Oh, crap. That's true. Four years. Yeah, next month. As an employee, like as a full-time employee, like three, three years. Yeah. But yeah, four years with the company. Yeah. That's a pretty long run when you talk, think about how many people that you've seen come and go throughout the yeah. years. Yeah. Well, I think people usually last five minutes or um, forever. Yeah. It's usually how I, I, I feel. Five five minutes or forever is the WDWNT way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny. People are like, oh, it's a toxic organization and this and this and that. And I'm like, why do the people have been here for so long today? What do you, what do you think's going? What do you think's going on here? But yeah. And now look look at you now. You host look at me a now. podcast. I wear shorts every day except today I'm wearing long pants because yeah. Lee bought me expensive pants for Christmas. I gotta buy, I gotta wear them. They're comfortable. I used to make fun of the kids in their joggers. Now these are like wearing pajamas around. Whatever happened to Axel? Are we allowed to say that? I don't know. Uh, we had. Uh, I saw him today. Is that so? Yeah, there are people that end up working for the Walt Disney Company, yeah. and then when they do, they can't yeah. really work here. So yeah, so Axel did that, and we're still everyone's still friends. Yeah, so Axel. Yeah. yeah, I see him all the time. Yeah, I just saw him. him this I picked him up for an airport oh. recently when he came back from France. Uh, texted him today. Yeah, great friend. Uh, yeah, people around. Obviously, Pete used to be around, and I saw, I saw Pete several times today at Epcot. So. Yep. You may see me berate him on an, an Adam the Woo video. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to make the couple. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to be on Adam the Woo's <laughs> video or not. Oh uh, No, Adam will, Adam will include the plug. I just wonder if he's going to cut right after the plug when I insult Pete. That's what I want to know if that made it in. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. And so this tale comes to an end. Well, there's more we could talk about, but it, we've probably been doing this long enough at this point. It's enough well, you have now. a 6 a.m. flight. Enough for now. I have uh, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. We'll save the sports for the end of the episode. Tomorrow could be one of the coldest NFL games in history. But only if you have Peacock. I have Peacock. You can watch it, so that'll be good. And and you won't be here. We can't fight about the Chiefs and Dolphins. No. Best I, of luck to I you. I think I'm actually going to watch it, though, but we'll, we'll yeah. see. Best of luck to you. I mean that. Yeah, thank you. I'm not saying it back. I don't need love. Guess, <laughs> Taylor Swift has enough in this world. She's winning all the time. My team has had nothing since 1972. 
It is our time. Please let us have this. <laughs> we have so little. <laughs> I mean, best of luck to you earning it on the field. We can't give it to you. He we has so many commercial it. deals. <laughs> He's fine. He doesn't need this. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the WW News Today podcast. It kind of went one. nowhere, but kind of went everywhere and came all the way yeah. full circle back we'll to We'll do another where one of these. We'll do another one. If these. people like Send it. In your questions people if you hate like. it, then we won't. If people hate it, we'll just delete the episode. We need to do happened. just like ask Tom and Eric anything. We'd have to do it live, though. No, they can send it in. We can, right, can send in your AMA. No, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll do an AMA. We'll set yeah. it up. I, I watch a bunch of podcasts. But I don't podcasts. know how to use Reddit cuz I'm old. I watch a bunch of podcasts where they just have people send in every like 10 or 15 episodes they do one where they let people send stuff in. Okay. That's kind of fun. Yeah, we'll have to Maybe do we'll that. do that next time because we have to turn it around real quick. Right, do they give them an email address? Yeah. I don't know. Don't give them mine. Uh we will put a uh YouTube community post out there. You oh, want to do that? that? Yeah, that's with fine. A, with an email address for you to yeah. Send there in. you go. All right. I think Jason might have put podcast at wwnt to get, um, dot com together as a. We don't know. Do, no, wait, no, wait no, to I see just, the look for the community post. If it's you want all to ask ones us, and zeros, right? If you want to ask us anything, look for the community look post. Community Obviously, post. if you're Wigs, you'll be able to ask live during that recording. But if in case you're not going to make that recording, you may want to ask there too. All right, thanks a lot. We will see you next time on our WW News Today podcast. We'll see you real soon.